0: this is Packer and Durham on ACCN and SiriusXM channel 371
1: we'll readdress that uh, list from Bill Conley again and uh, the night in baseball we got football news we got lacrosse news basketball news it's that time of the year
2: and what Packer ever- had two holding ones by the time he was 12 that's right that's right I mean, you just kind of threw that out there. We we're talking about meeting some guy from Pinebrook, Rogers pure, last night. It's all Roberts, luck. rather. It's Pure
1: luck. All that stuff's luck.
2: Got nothing. Two holes good. in one by twelve. You were a phenom. No. no, 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 no. It's pure
1: luck. All of With it's a luck. With a flow that was unbelievable. I, had, I did have hair
2: then. Yeah. And a full turn.
1: None of that Tiger Woods three quarter nonsense. No, full no. turn
2: we got sent some pictures a couple of weeks ago. We got to go back and find here Brooks. You know what's weird?
1: I told you about the 15th hole at Pinebrook. Yes. <laughs> the first month I was playing. Oh, first, it was really the first month I ever played golf. With, yeah. Playing with Billy in that father-son event. Uh, we used to have these inner club matches, junior interclub matches with the other clubs in Winston-Salem. and
2: The boys from Old Town come rolling over. We
1: old Town and Forsyth Country Club, yeah. your place. No. And, it was, and it, was, it was really well done. I mean, sure. this, this is back 100 years ago. And that particular day, we were playing Pinebrook. Now, we were no longer members there, but we – had y'all
2: moved out to Bermuda Run. Yeah.
1: yeah, and Bermuda Run had a club and everything else. So we're going to go play Pinebrook again. Yeah. And I was excited because I had not seen it in forever. Yeah. And, you know, I had a hole one on two and had a hole in one – So we're sure. on to the 15th hole. Yeah. Where I had the first one. And so I was telling the guys – Man, you're not going to believe this story. So, I'm telling, so
2: we get to the 15th hole.
1: Wes, I swear to God, I hit a shot.
2: Thought you were going to make it.
1: And it hit, and it was like, pin was up front, backdrop, hits in the back, spins back, and it's spinning back. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to make another one on the same stinking hole. And it was one of those, and it stopped about this far short, right in the jar.
2: Dude, all the ones are non-discriminatory. They just –
1: They happen. It's just pure luck. It's that, got
2: nothing to do with skill. That, trust me, I had one. I had nothing to do with it's skill. got no skill involved. In that. All right. Uh, there are four new coaches in the ACC. Three of them have spring games this That's weekend. It. Uh, each face different sets of circumstances. They catch their programs at a variety of different places. Uh, so what's the biggest challenge? For these new coaches I, for Mario, let's start with Mario Cristobal. Do we agree that Miami's expectations are the biggest challenge? Uh, yes.
1: Miami fans want to be great again. Yeah. Right. And you've got a quarterback that can get you there. I love what Cristobal has done with his staff. Now. Unbelievable. Does that equate to wins? We're going to find out, but I like where they're going. I like the commitment. I like the coaches they're bringing in. They're great recruiters. Now, I got to coach them up. I know they got talent. Yeah. I mean, that's never been an issue at the University of Miami. And you've got, like I said, you got the dude that can make plays under center. So, all of that and the fact that Chris ball is coming home, great recruiter, great momentum with the program, expectations always sky high. So, yeah, 100% agree that there is no doubt that the folks down there in beautiful Miami, Florida, expect the Canes to get right back into the thick of things and being a factor in the league like we expected them when they joined the conference back in
2: 04. So, in, in essence, Pack, you know they got a gift at quarterback. I mean, the kid can really play. to
1: win the Heisman. It's not even reach.
2: They've got a terrific offensive staff. Josh Gattis is – I mean, I can't begin to tell you how good a hire that is. From a standpoint of understanding success and having success – He got recognized last year with the Brawls Award as the nation's top assistant coach. And now, all of a sudden, Miami's able to get him. Well, it looked like you were going to have Brian McFadden for, what, a couple weeks, I guess, right? And then, all of a sudden, he moves on to uh, Georgia. So, now, all of a sudden, you've got Josh Gaddis coming in. The the expectations are going to start crazy, right? Right. I mean, I just – to me, that's what that is. You've got really good players on offense. you got names on defense. Can you put it all together? The challenge is just to kind of
1: – Well, the challenge is you got to coach them up, and, and, and that is going to be why you're getting paid a gazillion dollars to get the job done. Plus, here's the other thing. Mm. You get an early game in the schedule with Texas A&M, who is another team – I would say A&M is kind of like the Miami of the SEC. Everybody talks about them. Tons of hype. Yeah. Paying the coach a gazillion, expectations through the roof. Paying NIL gazillions. Whatever. The point of it is, the expectations in College Station are much like what you've got in Coral Gables. You've got two programs that expect to be national championship caliber teams. Right. And neither one of them have done anything lately. Yeah. Let's be completely honest, as far as the national scene goes. So, I don't know, on your market, say go, and they're going to go play each other this year. I love the game, yep. number one. It's great that they scheduled each other. Uh, and there's so much riding on that game. And it'll get hype like nobody's business in the middle of summer. And when we get into August and you a little bit close to football season, and you start talking, about, oh, my God, can you believe it? That'll be a game that everybody will circle, Miami and a and yeah. Because they both expect to be in the conversation, okay. not only in their respective leagues, but from a national college football will be a big game
2: stand. for the old ACC now. Big game for the SEC. Yeah. I mean,
1: no disrespect. I mean – a ms always talking about what they're going to do, and I mean they were eight and four last year. Right? Okay, great, terrific. Here's a slow clap for eight and four. Good luck on that. So both of them expect to be college football playoff caliber teams. Yep. Whether you think that's fantasy land or not, that's the real world of which those universes are.
2: Uh, it's Brent, a great game. Brett Pry in Blacksburg is our next uh, coach in his first season. He'll join us here in about twenty minutes. To me, for Brett Pry. And we mentioned this a little bit yesterday. I I think one of the things you're going to sort out with the Hokies is their quarterback situation. Yeah, I mean, there's five guys.
1: If they all rang the doorbell, I couldn't tell you who they were. You knew one guy because he had long hair. they got to figure that
2: out. Connor Blumberg was the the guy. He's the only guy on the roster uh, who's back for the quarterback situation that took a snap last year.
1: That, you know, this is what I think the difference is when we talk about expectations at Miami right yeah. out of the gate for new coach versus Virginia Tech. you got to find out who is the guy, mm-hmm. right? If you don't have a guy at quarterback, I think there's, you know, the expectations can only go so high. You've got that at Miami. Hopefully Virginia Tech can find that answer here in the next couple months.
2: I will say this too. Last four seasons, Virginia Tech has allowed almost six yards per play defensively. We can talk all we want to about quarterbacks. Probably got to tighten things up uh, on the defensive side too.
1: The reason there's a change there, there there's a lot that gets tightened up at Virginia Tech. Yeah. But here's the deal. It's a football program that expects to be good and needs to be good, just like Miami and yeah. the ACC. Uh, great place to play a football game, right? We talked mm-hmm. about Inner man. great fan base. They need to get back to the good old-fashioned, tough, physical, yeah. and I think that's what Brent Pry is all about. We're going to stick our nose in your business and make life miserable for you. So, I'm expecting that eventually out of Virginia Tech.
2: Yeah. Um, His defenses, by the way, at at Penn State were terrific. Excellent. Uh, Top four in the Big Ten and scoring in six of his eight years there. Um, Mike Elko, I was kind of having this conversation last night with some folks in Greensboro. Ain't Mike Elko's right time, right spot because of his pedigree as a coach. Played at Penn, worked at Wake Forest, knows kind of, if you will, the Dave Clawson blueprint a little bit. Uh, seemingly has picked a varied staff to join from an offensive perspective. brings some strong defensive guys to the table, but let's be honest: Duke went winless last year in the ACC for the seventh time since 2000. That's the kind of stuff that you cannot fix overnight. And yeah, they're gonna we got to decide who the quarterback's going to be. They allowed nearly 40 points a game last season. So, is there one singular challenge for him? I don't know that there is.
1: Not one. Uh, no, there's not one. Single, they got a bunch of them. That's it. I will tell you this, uh, If I was Coach Cristobal, I'd be sitting close to Mike Elko in the spring meetings. I mean, who knows m better than Mike Elko? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. He might just be picking his brain a little bit. Yeah. Just, just ask. Hey, oh, no, you hey, right. Coach, what about that defensive end? You know, yeah. You know, just go. But as far as Duke goes, uh, there's a lot of holes to f- plug there. That That's not going to happen overnight. He knows that. Duke fans know that. Hmm. Um, but, you know, David Cutcliffe did a great job. A great job at Duke, yeah. right? I'm not trying to dump on him here. But there are so many issues at Duke that need to be fixed. And mm-hmm. that's going to be a slow process.
2: Yeah. Um, that's a longer-term scenario. Duke, well, the way, spring game, 6 o'clock on ACC Network. I'm, I'm going to be interested to watch kind of how – That evolves as the season goes on because there'll be small steps, incremental ones. I'm guessing in the way that goes.
1: Yeah, I think that if you're a Duke fan, you have to be realistic that hey, we got Mike Elko, we're going to go eight and four this year. No, you're not. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great if you do. I hope you do. Yeah, but I mean, you got to be realistic that hey, listen, you got to build it the right way. And David Cutcliffe, like I said, did a lot of incredible things
2: at Duke, Mm -hmm. but the
1: build there is going to take some time.
2: I um, I'm intrigued by Tony Elliott, and his spring game is a week from Saturday. Uh, in Charlottesville. I'm intrigued by Tony Elliott from this standpoint. He is almost hand-in-glove fit for where Virginia could go offensively. And we can talk about Lavelle Davis and Dontavian Wicks and all the pieces that kind of come back for him. Now, they did have some offensive linemen get out and get in the portal and that kind of deal pack. But to me, the biggest challenge facing Virginia is on the other side of the ball. Totally agree. I mean, mean, it's all defense.
1: Well, the good news is, much like at Miami, you've got a guy under center who can make plays. And you've got playmakers. And Tony Elliott's an offensive mind. But, yeah, for Virginia to get back into the conversation uh, for a race in the Coastal to get to an ACC championship game, it has to improve on the defensive side. Right. If it not, then you just can't expect to go out there and say, guess what, we're going to win this week 45-42. That's hard to do on a consistent basis. I don't care who you
2: are. But this kid, five now, he's a a dude. He's going to sling it. Yeah. And they got guys who can catch it. Frisbee catching dogs everywhere. My gosh. I mean, Lavell Davis returns. You've got Dontavian Wicks. You've got guys you never even heard of that will show up. And here's the other thing, too. Is, um, as crafty as Robert and I would get with what they're doing offensively, it's a whole catalog now for Tony Elliott. Because think about what skill set Brennan Armstrong has given what he's done.
1: Well, we talk about fits all the time when it comes to coaches, regardless of the sport. Right. Tony Elliott is a really good fit for Virginia. Yeah, I is. mean, Carla Williams, I think, really made a smart hire there. Now it's up for Tony. Again, it's a different deal when you're the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, especially surrounded with the talent he had at Clemson, as opposed to being the head coach anywhere. It's a different deal. There's different responsibilities. But for anybody that's met Tony Elliott, he is a class dude. He is incredibly smart, certainly gifted as a play caller. Yeah. Uh, and I think when you have Brendan Armstrong, he can do some really cool things here. But for Virginia to get back into the ACC
2: conversation, right, it all starts on the defensive side for them. Yeah, I wanted to take a quick peek here, my handy dandy little sheet I have with me here.
1: You carry this everywhere?
2: When we do the show, I oh, do for just these three hours. Virginia starts Richmond at home oh. at Illinois. I didn't know what
1: you're going to say. So this is your schedule, is what? This yeah, schedule. Okay,
2: Virginia. Has Richmond at home at Illinois, Old Dominion at home at Syracuse at Duke. Gets them in October. Do you have an opinion on that? Could be a nice start. Well, if you win games, it is. Yeah. Duke, by the way, goes you Temple. think
1: Illinois remembers the way they embarrassed them last year in Charlottesville. Brett a year two.
2: Yeah, I mean, but Illinois' highlight of life was that nine overtime game, wasn't it? Beating uh, Penn State? Yeah. Is that not their highlight of life last year? I don't – you think you want to bring that up to Coach Pry? No. I not think so. No. Uh, Duke goes Temple at home at Northwestern, North Carolina AT, and then at Kansas. Oh. Kansas football. So, you know. You think they'll be on probation by the time that game
1: goes on, or you think the NCAA is – eh. you talking about football? Well, they're being investigated for football and
2: basketball. and basketball. Yeah, no. No, I don't think so.
1: You know that when Jeff Long, the AD, was there, the NCAA sent him a the, the notice of allegations for both sports, and he asked a question, and they asked him a question. He said, for which sport are you asking me? The alleg-? I mean, when you're being investigated for two major sports, yeah, sure,
2: could be a problem. That's it.
3: The Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham.
1: Brett Pryde, the Midnight Rider, comes rolling in With here. In no about beard, minutes. though.
2: He's got the beard. It's,
1: hey, it's springtime, man. All right. It had snow last weekend for baseball. They got the canes coming in there this weekend. We got to ask Big him one.
2: about his snow practice and scrimmage last week
1: and his grill techniques. Oh, yeah. And we got to talk Beamer. about that grill. Yeah.
2: Uh, Gino Damari joined us yesterday, fresh off a sweep of Virginia before last night's win over Florida Atlantic. And we talked about the Canes and their big ride, but also that weekend sweep of the Cavaliers in a boy battle, what kind of an ACC baseball showdown. Here's it is in case you missed it.
0: Played well. You know, like I said to you off the air, it was a big weekend for us coming in with uh, Virginia playing red hot. We were playing good. And, uh, you know, I was expecting uh, to be a good series, a tough series, and uh, maybe a low-scoring series. They had a lot of lefties. They were all lefties in their rotation. and we haven't seen a lot of lefties and we're kind of top heavy in our lineup lefties. And uh, I thought we did a good job with their pitchers and uh, our offense really, um, you know, one through nine uh, did a great job.
1: I I know it's as easy as going back and going, well, you you gave up 20 at Clemson once and since then you haven't lost a game, but has there been something that you saw with this group that you sensed? that, Hey, you know what? We're a good club. And this thing's getting ready to turn. And when it does, man, we are off to the races.
0: Yeah, I mean that game that you're talking about was the last game we lost. And um I, I think to me, maybe the there's there's a lot of things that when you're winning the way we're playing and the games, the streak that we have that uh would go to the success. But I would say the bullpen, you know, our bullpen and the depth of our bullpen has really stepped up. We knew we had a lot of good arms in the pen, but at the end of the day, you gotta get people out. And um our guys in the bullpen have done a good job. We really haven't. And the, the weekend, other than Carson, which Friday, to be honest, after the first two innings, I was thinking, my goodness, he's probably not even get through five innings. <laughs> he ended up pitching well, three, four, five, and six. He got through gave us six innings, which was huge, to kind of save our bullpen a little bit there for the weekend. But, you know, our other starters, we didn't get um, deep into the game. We had to go to our bullpen in both Saturday and Sunday. I believe we went to our bullpen in the fifth inning. And so those guys have done a great job along with a lot of other guys. But to me, that's what stands out during this stretch of where we've been playing well is the bullpen and the depth of it.
2: Not to diminish that the league has been down, but it really feels like this thing's got a chance to, to work the way the conference wants it to. And you've seen this league do this where it's multiple teams in the top 25, multiple teams, top 10. There are four right now. Do you get a sense that something significant can happen for the ACC as a whole out of all this?
0: Well, first of all, I think the ACC has been very good for a long time and very Mm -hmm. competitive. You've added teams here. I mean, look, we're kind of new to it. I mean, we came in in 2005, so we're a little new to it. And then you add teams like Louisville and Notre Dame and some of the other teams. And so the depth of the conference, I always tell this story about in 2015, I believe Virginia finished the end of the season, barely. And I mean barely got into the ACC tournament. They had to do a playing game. They actually had to do a playing game the way it was set up back then to get into the ACC tournament. They won the national championship. And I think they were eighth or ninth at the end of the regular season in our conference, and they won the championship. And then the next year in 16, we have 10 teams in the NCAA tournament. To me, this is kind of a similar year to uh, that 16 year where, You've got a number of teams. I mean, if the season ended right now, you could have possibly ten teams in the NCAA tournament. So, but as a coach in our conference, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a bear every weekend. The depth of our conference is is as good as anybody in the country. And uh, you're right. I mean, when you got four teams in the top ten at this point right now, it shows. Uh, you know, not only the depth, but there's some teams here that have a chance to uh, maybe go all the way.
2: I want to dive here a little bit into – I want to cross-pollinate with some other sports. We're hearing a lot about Portal, a lot about the COVID year, all those type things, right? Baseball has kind of been dealing with this for a long time because you actually had a sport that somebody could transfer and be eligible immediately because of the clock, the clock for the draft and all those type things. So now that you're seeing it play out in other sports – does the baseball coach in you go, hey guys, the roster management principles we use, and you just mentioned smaller roster, it does work to your advantage. It has been effective. Do you sense that that is a strength now for your program, even more so than what you thought it might be going forward because of the volatility we're seeing across the board in college athletics?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, know. I know this, you know, how you work your scholarships has got to be different now. You got to make sure. Uh, and our sport is so unique with the mm-hmm. scholarship limitation, um, I kind of compare it to, you know, the big leagues and they have the salary cap situation. It's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of similar, but you know, we have to save money. We got to make sure that we hold money for, uh, the portal. And a lot of the recruiting in the portal is done in a very short window. Um, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it, uh, because it's at the end of the season, that's when a lot of action is happening with, uh, kids leaving schools and so you're you're you know it's it's amazing our coaches are on the road recruiting high school kids in the summertime but yet we've got to be on that portal 24 7 and i mean 24 7 watching and seeing who pops up watching a lot of video the transfers obviously making a lot of phone calls and whatnot and and it's a quick it's really a quick deal so we've got to make sure we have money available for those guys it has worked in our favor this year we have a few guys that are starting for us that are from the portal. Our catcher, Max Romero from Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. has been outstanding for us. Um, uh, Hitting cleanup behind Yo-Yo Morales, which is an important position in our lineup, I would say. And then, of course, our center fielder, uh, Jacob Burke from Louisiana, southeast Louisiana, is another guy just off the top of my head. And we got about a handful of them that are um, performing for us in different areas. But we've had we've had some success with it. Uh, so it, it, does change. It's a different dynamic. The bulk of your recruiting still needs to be for us, um, high school kids, no doubt about that. We need to bring in kids. That's the bulk of it. And that's always going to be, you know, the, the mass majority of our players coming in are going to be high school kid, the vast majority, but, but we, we have to be able to get these guys, uh, these transfer guys. That's just the landscape of recruiting nowadays. So I think our coaches have done a good job with that.
1: I would say so, and 14 consecutive wins. As I mentioned, Tennessee lost last night, and now the Miami Hurricanes have the longest winning streak in the country. They're up to number two in both polls, and the Canes this weekend at Virginia Tech. The Hokies cracked the top 25 this week for the first time. Big, big series this weekend.
0: Packer and Durham.
3: This is the Packer and Durham Podcast.
2: Another spring football Saturday right here on ACC Network. Starts at high noon. Miami has announced a sellout right. for the spring game. They're going to be playing it at the uh, soccer home of Inter-Miami. Apparently David Beckham letting them use the pitch. Uh, so that'll be at high noon. Then uh, Wake Forest at 2 o'clock. Then off to Blacksburg at 4. Probably get some scoring in that soccer stadium. Hitting <laughs> Inter-Miami, yes, that's right. And then Duke at 6 wraps up another busy Spring Football Saturday, right here on ACC Network and streaming live on the uh, ESPN app. <laughs> time to crank up
1: the song because it's almost time for the Midnight Rider. Right, there, it's that it's not dog walking music. That's my walking music right here. Look at it. I was listening to it yesterday.
2: All right, looks like the beard's trying to make a comeback. By the way,
1: <laughs> would you be quiet a second? Let us just take all this in before we get Coach on here. Look at Coach. Yeah, He's already in the
2: mood. <laughs> I, you know, can I? Look at him. He's humming along. Here we go. And You can't help it. It's
1: one of those songs that it stays in your head the rest of the day. All right. You're humming
2: all day long. I tell you what, long before you open the season, long before you've opened the season, you have already generated a little interest among folks that watch our show. Last night in Greensboro, you think Coach Pry is going to come out to the Midnight Rider? No, I think they're going to keep the inner Sandman. Thank you. Amen, yeah.
3: Um, I think that was in my contract. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's in
2: everybody's contract, not just yours, right?
3: That's right. Yeah.
2: Um, All right, how's this been, being the head ball coach, being the guy in charge, being that big hombre, being number one there? How's that been?
3: It's been an eye-opener. I definitely have a different job than I've had for 31 years. Um, You know, I walk down the hallway and I see my old job in there with Coach Marv and the defensive staff, which I step in there about 30 minutes a day just to kind of feel like myself again. But, uh, you know, it's been awesome. It is a different uh, job, more challenges, different conversations. You know, my calendar looks different every day. Uh, You're in such a routine as a coordinator – with what you do, you know, in, in the winter, what you do in the spring, what you do in the summer, preseason camp. And when you do it for 31 years, it's habit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this year has been, you know, it's been different, but, but, but good.
1: All right. Let's get to uh, your quarterbacks. Now we Mm. we put a list on this board the other day, and man, we needed two pages. Now, what are we going to do at quarterback coach? This spring game is going to be interesting to watch. Everybody, shuffling in and out and making plays, hopefully left and right. So kind of give us a thumbnail of where you are in the quarterback department.
3: Yeah, the two transfers have kind of jumped out front, as I expected they would. But, um, you know, Grant and Jason both have in-game experience at a high level. And um, so their composure, their ability to grasp the offense has just come a little quicker. Uh, Connor obviously is a guy that that I am high on. I think he's got some ability at quarterback. There's some things there that are promising, but honestly, I like his uh, his skill set in some other places. So, but uh, Grant and Jason have separated themselves at this point, and um, you know I look forward to watching both those guys on Saturday.
2: All right, now is this a Saturday's not D Day. I'm guessing for your quarterback situation. You've got the offseason. You've got August. Uh, are you comfortable in your first year, Brent, taking this thing all the way to the wire for Week One before you determine kind of how you go through with this?
3: Yeah, what I'm comfortable with is we, you know, we won't name a starter until we feel like we have one. There you go. And um, you know, that's I, I do want that. Uh, I want that to happen when we're ready to have it happen because. I think that guy is obviously going to be a leader of our offensive football team. And, um, you know, so when he's in place, that's great. We'll run with it. But we're not going to be hasty and uh, you know, because of that. We've got to let this thing play out. We've got two good uh, candidates, and they're both working like crazy, investing like crazy. And, um, you know, it's, it's good to see. And I think right. they're making each other better. They're making each other better right now.
2: All right. You so, have, uh, you've quickly become a friend of the show. And I feel like at this point, I I quickly feel I I think we need to help you. We need to impart some of Packers' wisdom with you on this particular situation. Go ahead, Pack, because this is we live by certain standards on the Packer and Durham program, and this is (laughs) one that you have shared with many people when it comes to quarterback situations, right? I'm not sure what you're yeah, you right, going really? you to go with this. Is this the one where you don't say a word, right? Oh,
1: I, yeah, yeah. As far as starters go, I say nothing. I, I, you know, Even to us, I'd say, yeah, you got one about my quarterback? I'd say what, you'll find out in the opening series of the year. When we come out, the, <laughs> you'll find out exactly who my starting quarterbacks. going to be. I've always had a theory. If I was ever a head coach and I will never be one, I would never answer that question, Coach, ever. i just say, listen, I feel good about our staff. I feel good about our guys that we recruited. They're all solid guys. They're doing a great job in the classroom. They're working their tails off, weight room, outstanding. They're in great shape. And you will find out on the very first snap who our starter is going to be. That's
3: what I tell everybody. I appreciate the insight.
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) anything I can do for you, Coach, that's me to you. That's free of charge, (laughs) me to you.
3: Uh, yeah, you're way, only like the 100. You're only like the 150th person that has an opinion on the quarterback <laughs> uh, situation course. and how to handle it.
1: Right. I mean, I, and, and it's normally guys who've never coached That's that it. are always telling the coach what to do. It's <laughs> normally it's funny how that works out, right? It's like, yeah, okay, great. If you're so smart, go ahead and get a job for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, uh, here's what I do want to know though. Um, I think of Virginia Tech. I think of defense. You talk mm-hmm. about going to that defensive coordinator's room and having the same gig for 30 years and then have that mindset and routine. I think Virginia Tech. I think a nasty defense, flying around, popping you in the mouth, special teams out of sight. I know you'd love to get that back to the standard, which is Virginia Tech football.
3: Yeah, that, that's important to me, and I believe the same thing you do. That's one of the things that was attractive about this job, is um, you know that's part of the fabric here is playing great defense. Coach Foster did an unbelievable job, and uh, you know I was here at the onset of that thing and. And uh, it helped shape me. And uh, I think, you know, what we've done at Penn State and Vanderbilt and Georgia Southern and Western Carolina, I think we've been, uh, you know, we've filled some pretty good defenses over the years. And you couple that with what they've done here at Virginia Tech. And um, I think that's you know, that's going to be awful important to who we are as a football team.
2: Is, is it three-level leadership, though? I mean, you got young guys that played a role last year, obviously have some game experience. And then you got – a guy who's one of my favorite players in this league just simply because of how much he loves college football, and that's Dax Holyfield. I mean, you've got a guy who simply epitomizes everything I think you probably want in this unit, don't you?
3: Yeah, his mindset, demeanor, approach, it's one of the best I've been around. Uh, he is a leader by, by his effort, uh, by his style of play, mm. and by his approach to meetings and practice. He's vocal. There's not much more you can ask in that department, you know.
1: By the way, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Jack Hurley on the show, who's hitting about (laughs) 900 on Virginia Tech's baseball team, who, by the way, cracked that top 25 this week. Yeah. And he gave us the story. Yeah, no doubt. And he told us the story that uh, used to be the neighbor, and uh, said that you were. Just yard was never
3: mowed, you trash in the streets. And, <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready to pay him a compliment. I may not. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I'm messing with you. And, and he, so he caught us by surprise with that story and said, oh, yeah, we've known Coach for a long, long time. And lo and behold, both of you end up in Blacksburg. That's kind of a crazy story, isn't it?
3: Isn't that something? Yeah, my wife reminded me when uh, when we got hired here that he was here on the team. And I'll tell you this, it, it came the memory came flooding back to me. I would pull in the driveway, and so many evenings that kid was in the yard playing baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes by himself, sometimes with brothers and or with family or or buddies. But he was always out there, twenty four seven. That's a vivid memory of, about him. Um, and so to see him having success here. You know it just it's another example of you know guys that live it and love it and you know they got a chance to do special things with a sport they love
2: um i gotta believe that some of this and and we talked about it like right after you were hired and joined us for the first time now that you've kind of quote settled into your first spring how much of this has been as emotional as you thought it might be i mean you know we've seen some of the fun you've had with coach beamer and that kind of thing but the emotions that you've gone through now taking this job and being back in Blacksburg, is it kind of what you thought it would be or has it been more of it?
3: Yeah, probably more so. Um, you know, I had uh, the pleasure of introducing Coach Beamer to our coaches' clinic last week uh, at our coach's clinic. And uh, yeah, it was emotional for me yeah. to get up and, and introduce this guy that's been your mentor forever that means so much to you. And, uh, it's one of those things. And this isn't a, this isn't a criticism of coach at all. It's just like, I don't think he has any idea what he's meant to me over the years. And so every opportunity I have to, to let him know that I want to do that. And, um, you know, it didn't matter. It wasn't just the three years I was here in Blacksburg. It was, you know, the visits to Blacksburg. It was seeing him at the national coaches clinic. It was seeing him on television. It was you know, reading articles about the program and, you know, talking to Bud or talking to Steins, bringing those guys just. And so, you know, for me, it, it's easy to walk into a place and have it mean so much to you. You know, there's mm-hmm. just so many people and so many memories. When I walk in Lane Stadium, I've got some vivid memories that are, you know, really meant something to me over the years uh, of Lane Stadium and what happened on that, on that game field. So, you know, and there's so many people. That come up to me in town. That, coach, you remember when when this happened and that happened, and you remember me. And you know, it's just it's still happening all the time. People popping in, and and I just you know blows my mind. Oh my gosh, this is this was our analytics guy before there was analytics. <laughs> you know, and uh, this guy would come over, and I mean, it would spend hours pumping out data that that Bud and I were looking for to help us prepare for an opponent. So, you know, just things like that that uh, you know really strike me and and make me so happy to be here and, and to be the head coach of Virginia Tech.
1: Coach, as far as uh, Hokie Nation and for all of us, we got our feet up watching the game this weekend. Uh, give us some names uh, of some folks that have impressed you so far this spring uh, that may be not necessarily household names or maybe there are. You tell me the uh, folks that have really impressed you in the spring that you expect to play well Saturday. Mm.
3: Yeah, up front on defense, a guy that uh, is arguably one of our most improved players, Josh Fuga defensive tackle really had some things that we wanted him to improve on through the spring and he's done that uh, he's he's really made me feel better about uh, you know him playing well enough for us to win uh, and, and win big games um, uh, DJ Harvey a guy that's uh, embraced the nickel position a corner that uh, really has a knack for finding the football you know when you go 12 practices and Somebody, you know, at least once every practice, if not more, is finding the football. It tells you something, you know, and, and you see the investment and, and the preparation and things that guys are putting in that, that also is important to me. So there's a couple of guys there that I think, um, you know, some of those guys, we've, we've made some position moves. Uh, Keontae Jenkins to our field backer spot, J.R. Walker, field backer, those guys have caught the attention of the staff. Uh, I think Breon Murray. Um, you know, there's some guys that are jumping out that uh, you know that you hope that things start to take shape and you start to feel better about some positions. Offensively, uh, Silas. You know, big Silas at the left tackle spot. Mm, so thankful thanks, he came back. Yeah, right. he, he's doing a great job. Uh, he's really impressive. I, I don't know that uh, you know in my time at Penn State we had a tackle with his skill set and he's mature. He's got great demeanor. I really love what he's doing right now. I think uh, Lofton at wide receiver has had a really good spring. He's a playmaker, good ball skills, can do things after the catch. And then I've been pleased with Connor Blumrick. You know, we're doing some interesting things with him. Coach Bowen's doing a great job maximizing what Connor can do well. And again, you know, I bounce in that room and I say, well, from a defensive coordinator's perspective, if you're doing this with him and you're doing that with him, that's challenging. And, uh, you know, so there's definitely some guys to be excited about. That, uh, you know, we got another practice Thursday, a light one Friday, and then spring game. So, you know, we, we, a couple more opportunities for these guys to keep growing, developing, and showing us what they can do.
2: Brent, we, you're going to get all all the quarterback conversations going to play out up until it happens you know that you've been through it enough as a as a coordinator and a coach on several staffs the run game can be whoever wins the job's best friend uh and Malachi Thomas has had moments Keyshawn King has had moments you mentioned Silas Jancey coming back at in the offensive line I mean at times in the last three years that has been Virginia Tech's best friend on offense is the ability to go run the football are you pleased with where that aspect of it is as you evaluate throw game and all the things you want those quarterbacks to do?
3: Yeah, I think obviously that's where it starts for me. Okay. I think we have to be able to establish the run. And that starts with our line play, which I'm pleased with the progress at that po- At this point. I think Coach Rudolph's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not where we want to be from a personnel standpoint, a depth standpoint. Uh, we're still building that, that room but uh, I'm pleased with the progress and uh, we've got a lot of great candidates, you know, in the backfield. I think Holston's done a good job. As you mentioned, Malachi, Chance Black shows signs, Keyshawn. I mean, there's candidates there. Uh, I'm looking for a level of consistency. Again, at every position, but particularly there, what are we going to get when we put you out there? I want to know more closely what you're going to give us, who you're going to be in lane stadium on a Saturday afternoon. And we got to keep working that direction, where we know more about these guys, you know, and, and what they're going to give us, what they're capable of, what level of consistency, what level of production. So, but it starts with me. It starts with this unit. Uh, we got to be able to run the football. I know how important that is. I know how hard it is on a defense when you when you can't control the run game. It's problematic, and it creates a lot of issues over the day.
1: Uh, before we let you go, uh, you mentioned Frank Beamer a while ago. Uh, we had some fun yesterday about uh, grilling, and uh, you and Coach put it on them, didn't you? Huh? A little salt, pepper. We grilled
3: some mean, oh, some mean steaks, man. Yeah, <laughs> look at Coach put that apron on. He's a pro. I just followed his lead. Look at me. I'm, I'm running late. I, I'm just like Coach. I'm sorry.
1: I thought you were coming in there to eat, not no, to I grill. Too. Yeah, man. You came in there and slapped it
2: all now. <laughs> Who are you kidding, right? So, so how I did this go? I kept pouring
3: more seasoning on there. Yeah, I kept that's putting it. more seasoning. And, Coach, he had, a, he had a method to the madness. I was just slapping it around.
1: There you go. You know, there's a, there's a real – hey, there's a method to all that now. You can't just go in there and pretend like you know what you're doing. you got to know what you're doing, right?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's a tradition that Coach Beamer started long ago. His football clinic always had some of the best steaks going. And uh, when we started talking about it and said, we're going to bring this back, this coach's clinic with these steaks is going to be big. Well, my operations guy comes into the meeting and he says, Coach, we got the steaks all planned out. And I said, well, what steaks are you getting? He said, we're getting eight-ounce sirloins. I said, Eight ounce. Sir- These are football coaches you're feeding, man. So I, I took our I took our Sam linebacker coach Quinn, who's our food expert, and I said, "Get involved. You get involved in that, get menu, involved. Quinn." <laughs> and, and so the next thing you know, we went from string beans to baked beans. We went from rolls to cornbread, and we went from eight ounce sirloins to fourteen ounce ribeyes. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I mean, those coaches it. got their money's worth.
1: Uh, yeah, you, you want three star kids, you want five star kids, coach. Exactly. I mean, you, you,
3: we're not <laughs> feeding you.
1: hamburger anymore. We're going top shelf. Top shelf. Next I told year. My,
3: my wife orders an eight ounce sirloin. That's it. What are it. we doing?
1: That's it. Next year, we're doing a little bone in. When you go bone in, then I
3: know you've reached the ultimate <laughs> level. Shouldn't
2: that be? Exactly. Hey, Brett, shouldn't that be the former ops guy had the eight ounce steaks?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, he. Does, that's not under his job description anymore. There you that's go. It. There you go. 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 Did yeah, you you
2: moved right. it to the other guy, right? You moved it to the guy that that's knows right. the
3: beef. Is that what the deal is? Yeah, okay. Quinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Baked it. potato, baked beans. Yeah, we yeah. cornbread. We got it right. I uh, like it. I hey, like
2: it. I uh, always appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing this on Saturday, and uh, you're good to visit with us. We appreciate it.
3: I appreciate y'all too. Thank you. All right, Bud. Thanks, you coach. bet.
2: Brent Pry, head football coach at Virginia Tech.
1: <laughs> yeah, you do bone in, and you know you've reached top shelf, and you got the
2: little bone
3: in going on there. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham.
2: Hey, don't forget, uh, Saturday night, Pack, another edition, kind of huddle after dark, you know, recapping the spring. Looking forward to that. Saturday night, 10 o'clock, gets you caught up on the four games this weekend. I like the way that worked last week. Had a real big synopsis, good analytics from everybody. Comes your way on ACC Network, streaming live on the ESPN app. They got Mac fresh off the field at Clemson. They had EJ fresh off his coaching in Tallahassee. Coach Rick there as well with Kelsey. I just like this time of the year. Yep.
1: Baseball, softball, lacrosse, college football. I mean, sure. you got a little bit of everything going on.
2: Yeah. I like it. Um, Rowing, crew, you know, they're different, you know. Very much so. <laughs> uh, Mallory and Annabelle Hasselbeck yeah. are going to join us coming up in the 9 uh, o'clock hour. Debuts. Nothing but debuts in the uh, Power Hour. Yeah, today. That's right. Brent Pryor's great, isn't he? Like him. Hope he wins. Yeah.
1: Keep telling you. Miami, Florida State, Virginia Tech. I've said this for 100 years. Those three teams in football have to be good for the league. I'm with you. It's got to happen.
2: Yeah. So, anyway, appreciate his time. All right. Back to this top 100 thing very quickly because I want to show you a couple more social media reactions. Here's the ACC list, the guys who played at ACC institutions that are on Bill Conley's top 100 running backs list of the last 60 years. That's a caveat to remember, last 60 years. It's not our list. It's not our list. It's Bill Conley's list, as it says so at the bottom. There are the nine guys, from Tony Dorsett at six to Travis Etienne at 95, right? No
1: Ted Brown, no C.J. Spiller. No Amos Lawrence. No, no Don, Don McCauley, McCauley
2: right? No Go figure. Yeah. Um, So, there there are all these different variations, right? And you see the way – I mean, we could argue Willis McGahee's too high to Dalvin Cook's too low, right, at 71. ETN and Andre Williams, where's A.J. Dillon? Boston College fans want to know. So, the responses on social media have been interesting. And you may have some of your own at 844-SAY-ACCN. Um, at arc senior says, toss up Tony Dorsett or Warwick Dunn Pack, It's two different generations, two different eras of the game. I don't know that Tony Dorsett caught the number of balls that Warwick Dunn did. He says, toss up. You say toss up for
1: what they're both in the top 100. They should be, but I would just say this. Tony Dorsett, to where college football was in the 70s, right. was greater than, than done in his era, okay. in my opinion.
2: Okay. They're both great players right. and should be on the list. Right. Now I'm going to give you one a little bit more closer in terms of...
1: Tony Dorsett, let me just answer it this way. Tony Dorsett, in his prime, plays today.
2: Absolutely. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Absolutely. he
1: was ahead of his time when I he think played Warwick at, Dunn plays today. I, I think no question. Because I mean, of Warwick his ability didn't catch man. the ball. Yeah. I mean I, I thought Warwick Dunn being ranked behind some of these guys is almost embarrassing. Yeah,
2: I don't disagree with that. Okay. At Palmetto Shiner. Now this one is the one. These are I two. I think some of the handles today have been spectacular. Yeah, they have. Yeah. Makes me want to rethink mine. Uh Travis Etienne greater than Dalvin Cook. Oh, I love them both. Dude, I, hey. you know I don't want to split this. No, here's the deal. And uh, they're both, by the way, way too low. I totally agree with way that. Way too low.
1: Here's how I'd answer that question. If we're going to have uh, – we're going to play a little little pickup football game, and those are the two guys that are leaning up against the wall. Yeah. I'll let you pick first, and I'm cool with whatever you That's got. exactly right. I mean, they're totally both agree.
2: great. Totally agree. Great, great. So – Uh, Thank you for the input. Appreciate it.
3: The Packer and Durham Podcast.